welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, New International Version. Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. We're excited to be with you at the start of this new year. We pray that this year will bring everyone the joy of having a closer fellowship with our Lord Christ Jesus. Today on Anchored by Truth, we're continuing the series we began during our last episode, which we are calling Eternal Information. I think most listeners to Anchored by Truth know that the Christian faith in America has been subjected to more challenges in the last couple of decades than in the preceding two centuries of our existence. So as we open up a new year, we want to again call attention to a subject that has special importance in our day and time, demonstrating that the Christian faith has a firm basis in reason and evidence. Today in the studio, we have R.D. Fierro, who is an author and the founder of Crystal Sea Books. R.D., information is not a topic typically associated with Christian apologetics, but you believe information is one of the most straightforward ways we can direct people to the necessary existence of a personal creator. Well, I would also like to greet everyone who is joining us on Anchored by Truth today. And I agree with you that information is not the most common topic that's associated with Christian apologetics. But I became intrigued about the possibilities offered by the concept of information for demonstrating the existence of God when I ran across a book called In the Beginning Was Information. That was the title of the book, In the Beginning Was Information. And that book had been written by a German information specialist named Dr. Werner Gitt. Dr. Gitt was a director and a professor at the German Federal Institute of Physics and Technology, and he was the head of the Department of Information Technology there. And just to remind everyone, the word apologetics is a broad umbrella term that what we're talking about when we say that the concept of information points to the need for God to exist. Apologetics can broadly be defined as a defense for our faith. Apologetics comes from a compound Greek word. Greek, like English, has compound words made up of two or more other words. In this case, the Greek words are apo, primarily used to mean from, and logos, primarily meaning, in its most generic sense, word. Logos is also commonly used in an expanded way to mean reason, the mental faculty of thinking, meditating, reasoning, and calculating. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus first used the term logos around 600 BC to designate the divine reason or plan which coordinates a changing universe. 
And the Apostle John used that same word logos in John chapter 1 verse 1. Now, the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 1 says, and I quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Close quote. Apologetics basically means, quote, from the mind. And in the sense of John 1.1, it means from the mind of God. We now use the term apologetics to mean a defense of the Christian faith. Well, when I heard about Dr. Gitt's book, I became intrigued because just hearing the title of the book made me look at John 1.1 and Genesis 1.1 in a different light. And we mentioned this in our last episode of Anchored by Truth. It's not just that the title of Dr. Gitt's book calls those verses to mind, but it's understanding that the nature and use of information gives us a whole new way of demonstrating to an unbelieving world that it is impossible to form a coherent view of life and the universe without acknowledging the existence of God. So, how do we go about doing that? Well, let's kind of do a review by taking a look at a couple of definitions for the term information that we talked about in our last episode. And then I want to propose my own definition for information, which I think of as a sort of theological definition of information. So now you're conjuring up your own definitions of words. Well, what I try to do is to think carefully through concepts that we want to talk about, and I want to see how those concepts are related to one another. Then I try to reduce those concepts down to one or two simple sentences where it's possible to do so. The result of that thinking process resembles a definition, so that's what I'm going to call it. But before we get to my definition, let's look at a couple of definitions from more authoritative sources. As I said, we mentioned this in our last episode of Anchored by Truth, but I don't think it's a bad idea to review these definitions. So why don't you start by reading the definition of information that comes from the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. The online Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines information as 1. Knowledge obtained from investigation, study, or instruction, or 2. The attribute inherent in and communicated by one of two or more alternative sequences or arrangements of something, such as nucleotides in DNA or binary digits in a computer program, that produce specific effects. Right. And as we pointed out in our last episode, that second portion of the Merriam-Webster definition is very intriguing. It's intriguing because even the Merriam-Webster Dictionary takes note of the fact that DNA, which is a component of the cells of all living creatures, that even DNA contains information. Now, one of the episodes that we are going to do during this Eternal Information series is going to focus on the information that is present in biological entities, in living creatures. And that really is a sort of earth-shaking kind of thought that the very structure of all living creatures contains information. Let's move on quickly and let's take a look at the definition for information that Dr. Gitt has developed. In an article that Dr. Gitt produced for Creation Ministries International, Dr. Gitt stated this, quote, We developed an unambiguous definition of information, namely an encoded, symbolically represented message conveying expected action and intended purpose. 
we term any entity meeting the requirements of this definition as universal information or UI, unquote. We'll put a link to this article in the podcast notes that are available on certain podcasting apps. So immediately we see that there are some common elements between the Merriam-Webster definition of information and Dr. Gitt's definition of information. Now, Dr. Gitt's definition of information is certainly a little more technical, and he needed to make it a little more technical for purposes that he came to later in his discussion of the laws of information. Merriam-Webster, though, even talked about, and I quote, alternative sequences or arrangements of something that produce specific effects. Well, Dr. Gitt spoke about an encoded, symbolically represented message. And then Merriam-Webster went on to say that the sequence or arrangement of something is intended, quote, to produce specific effects. And Dr. Gitt says that the symbolically coded message is, quote, conveying expected action and intended purpose, close quote. So both of those definitions are pointing to some essential elements that are inherent in the concept of information. Information contains specified sequences, elements, codes, and symbols. And those specified sequences, elements, codes, and symbols have been arranged. They've been arranged in very specific ways, or they have been encoded for a very specific purpose. And that purpose is to produce an effect, a result. And we're going to talk more about that in a future episode in this series. So the overarching concept that comes out of these definitions is that information is ordered, organized, and specified. And that requires intelligence. So, what is your definition of information? Well, my definition for information is, and I'm going to quote myself now, information is the expression of God's essential omniscience manifested in creation where it imposes order and enables life, close quote. Now, I know that that's a lot to take in on the first hearing. That's a lot to consume, but we're going to kind of use the rest of this episode to go through it. So let me repeat my definition of information one more time. Information is the expression of God's essential omniscience manifested in creation where it imposes order and enables life. I can see why you said it was sort of a theological definition of information. What you're doing is pointing out that there is nothing present in the created order that did not come from God. And God can only express what God possesses. Of course, God is omnipotent and omniscient, so pretty much possesses everything. But that's the point, isn't it? As long as our worldview includes God as creator, it's easy to explain the existence of things that is impossible to explain coherently without him. Yes. Without acknowledging God, people are forced to conceive of a universe that has no superintending intelligence. As such, you're forced to trace everything that exists to somehow being generated by the random, chaotic, and undirected interaction of matter with matter or matter with energy. I mean, atoms might collide with other atoms, and that collision might even produce a molecule. Well, and that molecule might even remain together if the right electromagnetic forces are present. But in a godless universe, 
Nothing helps those atoms and molecules and that energy do anything useful for an inanimate purpose, much less create life. It's well known that the simplest bacterial cell that doesn't have a nucleus contains 100 billion atoms. Human cells are far more complex. Human beings have over 35 trillion cells. And all of those cells have jobs. And there are thousands of protein machines within those cells that also have their own jobs. Building the cell's wall, bringing energy supplies in, taking waste products out, guiding the process of duplication and replication, repairing damage. The number of tasks performed by an ordinary human cell dwarfs the activity within an ordinary factory. When you consider those relatively simple facts, it does stagger the mind that anyone believes that all that ordered specific complexity could have arisen by chance. Exactly. Without God, the possibility of the simplest living cell being assembled accidentally is off the charts in terms of probability. One writer, a gentleman named Michael Denton, who wrote a book called Evolution, A Theory in Crisis, points out in his book the probability that you could randomly assemble even a single protein which contains thousands of atoms is one in a number that is greater than the number of atoms in the entire known universe. But of course, with God, all things are possible. Just as Jesus told his disciple in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But that's the point. An omnipotent God overcomes the need to envision chance as building the complex structures of the universe, including life. And frankly, without God, there isn't a coherent explanation of why atoms would exist in the first place. Yes. So, my definition for information is designed to point to the fact that information is not itself just a sort of feature of this universe. Information arises from a source, and that source would have to be intelligent because information is ordered, organized, and specified. The Merriam-Webster definition says that the sequence or arrangement of something is intended to produce specific effects. Dr. Gitt says that the symbolically coded message is conveying expected action and intended purpose. Therefore, information reflects both order and intent. But, and here is the really big point of my definition, information was present at the very beginning of creation. And when we think carefully about that fact, it points to information being in use by God prior to the creation of the physical universe. I see where you're going with this. Information is not just an undeniable feature of the physical order. It was present with God even before he created this physical universe. The Apostle Paul says as much. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, quote, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes, unquote. That's from the New Living Translation. But what that says very quickly is that God chose us in Christ, even before God made the world. That means God was using information in his eternal realm, even before he made the earth. Yes. So, let's think about this. God was choosing, as well as performing other activities, before he made the earth, 
and making the heavens and the earth was the very first thing that God did in creating the universe. Remember, the very first verse of the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But God was using information even before that to choose us, us meaning his children and his believers. God had to have already identified us by name. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 refers to, quote, the Lamb's book of life, end quote, which was available before the foundation of the world. Writing names in a book, however God did that in the eternal heavenly realm, is an activity that involves information. Now, we are not told how much planning God did of the created order before he actually created matter, energy, time, and space. But it sure seems likely that he did some. So even before matter, energy, time, and space were actually present in this physical universe, God had already decided on their boundaries. He had decided about how they would function and about how they would relate to each other. Well, all that involves the use of information. This is one of those lines of reasoning that starts to give you headaches. Well, we might think of them as holy headaches. We are using our brains to try to see God at the very time that he was forming our universe. Holy maybe, but headaches nevertheless. But I see what you're saying. God was using information in his eternal realm even before he began using information in his own creative activity. In Job chapter 38 verses 4 through 7, God asks Job, quote, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Unquote. God asks Job, Who marked off the dimensions of the earth's foundation? The question is rhetorical, but nevertheless it involves the clear use of some kind of information. God's reference to dimensions, measuring lines, cornerstones, all call to mind that God knew the answers, but Job did not. Job could not. God had the information that Job lacked, but God clearly had the information. Exactly. And God used that information, as my definition points out, to impose order and enable life. So, in a certain sense, then, information is a feature of both the spiritual realm and the physical realm. Now, last time we talked about the fact that information is non-material, or speaking precisely, information is massless. But we were clear that information was different from other massless parts of the physical universe. Photons are massless, but photons can be generated by matter and they can interact with matter. Information is neither generated by matter nor does it interact with matter. Uh, We use matter and energy to transmit, receive, and store information, but the information itself is indifferent to and unaffected by the matter and energy employed. You know, a chemical formula remains the same whether you send it by email, mail it with a postcard, carve it on a wax tablet, emboss it in braille dots, or send it using sign language. The matter and energy used to communicate the information do not generate the information, neither do they contain or constrain the information. But what you're saying is that the non-material attribute of information does not make it automatically a part of the spiritual realm. 
information is still quite real in the physical universe. But now you are saying that information appears to be the one part of the physical universe that was also available in the spiritual realm because God was clearly using information even before he created the physical universe. Yikes! Like we said last time, information is a tricky thing. Yes. You know, it might be reasonable to think of information as the one component of God's eternal realm that he immediately imparted into the physical realm. But of course, God could not have done that if God didn't possess the information. And since God possesses information, God is also the source of information. All information. Nothing exists apart or separate from God. So my definition simply points out that information is one expression of God's innate omniscience. Omniscience, of course, means all-knowing. You know, we sometimes think that God knows everything about the physical creation and us. And he does. But God's knowledge doesn't stop there. God not only knows everything that is known about the physical world, but also the spiritual world. God knows the names of all the angels. God knows where they are in space and time, or where they are if they are presently in the spiritual realm. God knows the names and locations of the demons currently confined in the abyss that Jude refers to in Jude verse 6. The book of Jude is only one chapter, so we only need that verse number. What you're saying is that God not only knows everything about everything that exists, God knows everything about anything that could exist. God knows everything that can be known, not just what might be known about this creation. That's what omniscience really means. Yes. And as a part of God's knowing, God uses information. No human being knows how the three persons of the Trinity communicate with one another. But we do know that they communicate. And in the sense that they communicate, the three persons of the Trinity employ information. The point of all this is that when we begin to ponder the role of information within the physical universe, we begin to see that information is not confined to the physical universe. It's just not. In that sense, information can be distinguished from the other components of the physical universe, matter, energy, time, and space. Now, in a poetic sense, we might say that information pierces the veil that separates time and eternity. And in doing so, information points out that there is a need for an origin of information and that information is a rather unique component of the created order. God creates all information. God uses information for whatever purpose his sovereign will wants. God was doing that before he laid the foundation of our world or put the sun and the moon in their place. And when God chose to create a creature that would bear his image, man, one attribute that God communicated to that creature was the ability to recognize and employ information. Yes. Now, the big reason we are undertaking this series on information is not just to have a philosophical discussion about information. What we are trying to do is point out that information points undeniably to the existence of the God of the Bible. And as we've been discussing, information is always the product of intelligence. So if information is present as a component of the observable universe, and it is, that means that intelligence must be also present in the visible universe. But God refuses to be excluded, doesn't he? 
You don't have to be a poet to perceive that God left his fingerprints all over creation. Psalm 19 verses 1 and 2 famously say, quote, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge, unquote. Declaration, proclamation, revealing knowledge, those are all forms of communicating information. God designed this universe in such a way that his omnipotence would be revealed by the size and scope of the universe. But he also designed it in such a way that our ability to understand that even the physical universe contains non-material components point to his omniscience. Yes. We frequently mention the fact that not only do logic, reason, evidence, and science affirm God's existence, but the notion that God doesn't exist always runs into irreconcilable conflicts and logical fallacies. Well, this discussion of information is just pointing to another one of those conflicts and fallacies. The universe as we see around us contains and must contain information. So we may be absolutely sure that when the skeptics and the atheists tell us that God can't be real because we can't see him or touch him, that when they say that, they are simply wrong. The skeptics automatically assume that the material portion of the universe gives rise to such non-material phenomena as information. But that makes no sense at all. How can atoms and molecules, electricity and heat, create the very awareness that we possess that atoms and molecules, electricity, and heat do exist. What people need to recognize is that the observable universe goes beyond the material. Yet that very fact is rarely acknowledged in so-called scientific discussions. In all the discussions about the Big Bang and evolution, you never hear anyone go beyond theories about how matter and energy behave. Conventional science wants to confine the universe to the material elements because that's all they can claim jurisdiction over. But real science simply follows the evidence wherever it leads. And the evidence clearly leads to the fact that even the physical universe gives testimony that limiting our understanding of reality to matter, energy, time, and space is neither sound science or good logic. And next time, we're going to see that a careful examination of information shows that it is possible to formulate laws of information that closely resemble other natural laws with which we're familiar, like gravitation, electricity, or thermodynamics. Yep. The universe that we see around us is more than just matter, energy, time, and space. But at a bare minimum, those four components by themselves could never give rise to life even if they could somehow explain all of the inanimate elements of the universe, which they can't. So this sounds like a great time to pray. Today, let's listen to a prayer of praise for those who do not yet know Christ as their Savior will be brought to saving faith in Him. A Prayer for the Spiritually Lost Wondrous and perfect Father, we exalt your name and sing praises to your glory. Your word is the foundation of joy and the bedrock of hope. In you, there is blessed assurance. Without you, the shifting sands of a sin-stained shore would wash away beneath us and we would be swept into the depths by the tides of trouble. With you, we cannot be moved or thrown down 
though all the waves of chaos should pound against us with fervor and anger. Lord, too many have been swept away, and we are grieved to see all about us people we know whose life foundations are crumbling. We see our neighbors being pushed to and fro by the currents of popular opinion, and whose lives are filled with fear and despair because they have no sustaining source of truth. We come before you today to plead for their rescue and redemption. We ask that you sovereignly intercede in the lives of those who are lost and sinking and turn their hearts to you. As when the citizens of Nineveh heard Jonah's preaching and repented, please touch our land and community with your word and call our neighbors to you. Give us opportunities to witness that we would miss on our own. Strengthen our hearts to stand for Christ as he stood for us. The glory is his alone, so it is in his name we pray, give thanks, and ask for the lost to be saved. Amen. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where... We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S.com. Thank you for your support.